1: Welcome to Pod Save America. I'm John Favreau. I'm John Lovett. Uh, this is a special bonus episode. When we were in New York on Monday, we recorded a little interview with the host of The Daily Show, Trevor Noah.
2: Yes, we did. Tommy's uh, not here right now.
1: Tommy's not here. This is just Lovett and I. We're just recording an intro for the interview that we did. With I'm Trevor Tommy Noah. Vitor. There, There you go. You got it. Anyway, we sat down with Trevor before we went on the show. He was kind enough to give us some time, and we talked to him about, you know, the stuff we talk to people about. We also about. went on The Daily Show. We did. Yeah, go check it out. I think it was good. Did you watch it yet? I felt
2: good about it. Okay. They good. made one edit that made it seem like I was answering a question that you had answered.
1: They cut out my answer about Hillary Clinton. About right. Which it Hillary. sounded like
2: I answered that. Right. But I did not answer that. I was answering another thing.
1: My answer was great. I don't yeah, know what I'm sad it.
2: that I wanted to. My answer works better after your answer, which is why I was bummed.
1: No one will ever know what no, I said. No, but it was still a good interview. Anyway. I'm sure she's coming on our show. We're going to get her. Okay. Um, Without further ado, here is our interview with Trevor Noah. (laughs) Welcome to a special episode of Pod Save America with the host of The Daily Show, Trevor Noah.
3: Thank you very much for having me, guys.
1: Uh, Thanks for making the time. Okay, so when you took over The Daily Show, a Donald Trump presidency was still a very remote possibility. Right. How have you had to adapt to this? New reality. How has it changed what your conception of the show was going to be? Is it
3: reality? I feel like it's just a nightmare <laughs> and I'm coping. You know? It's just, you know when you get to grips with a nightmare, like in your nightmare. Have you ever had those where you go oh, like, yeah. all right, I know this is a nightmare, but I'm just going to make things work. You yeah. have to deal with it. Yeah, Stuck, I know. have that sometimes. Um, you know what? I think the, the biggest thing that I've had to do and the show has had to do is work in a world where uh, a lot of the things that President Trump does would already be jokes or escalations that we would make. Does that make sense? Yes. So like, yeah. for instance, I remember it happened on the campaign trail for the first time. I said, it's only a matter of time before Trump kicks a baby out of a rally because he was just kicking out <laughs> everyone. Right? And I was like, man, this guy's going to kick a baby out. And then he kicked a baby out of his rally. And I went, oh man, this he does the escalation of the joke. So you've got to find another place to take everything. And then you've got to find a way to process the information and give it to people where they don't think you're being ludicrous with everything you say.
2: Right, right it's that he's parody. It's He's beyond parody. He is the end, he's the logical conclusion of every joke.
3: Basically, so where do you go from there? Exactly, exactly. That's exactly what it is. So where do you go from there? Strangely enough, I find you dig deeper into the truth and then you find that he is not the end because he is still trapped within the confines of reality. And I know it sounds maybe a little bit heady to say for a joke, but what happens is you dig deeper into the truth and then I find that's where the reality of Trump actually exists. So if you stay on the surface with him, then there is nothing. You go, ah, the jokes are all gone. But once you get into the policy side of what he's doing, once you get into the ideas behind who Donald Trump is and what he stands for, then you find there's always a joke because he takes it to a conclusion that is still sort of safe for him. The next level of the joke or the next level of the idea is a space that speaks more to the truth of what's happening. This is interesting to me. It's it's almost as if I'm like now. As you
2: say that, that makes sense because it, it's almost like saying that he is at the end of parody is almost a kind of accede to his terms, right? That yes. like that this is as far out as you can get. Yes. This is as crazy as you can get. When that's not
3: true, it's not true at all. It's not true. You 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 take it to the next level. So there, w- there was a joke, for instance, um, we did last week. Donald Trump got a, a red button. A, reportedly, got a red button put on his desk, mm-hmm. and when he presses it. Someone brings Coke, right? Right, <laughs> And we were like, that sounds like a joke. Because red button, president's desk, come on. Yeah. That sounds like a joke. So then we went, all right, where do we take it from there? And then we turn the joke into, he doesn't even care about the coke. He just does that because he likes pressing a button and then a butler walks into the room. And the butler's Mitt Romney. <laughs> <laughs> and then like, so what we then do is now take you back into that world. And then as Trump, then I'll be like, and the butler's Mitt Romney. And he's like, that's right, Mitt, just pour it into my mouth. That's right, like a baby bird. Pour it in, Mitt. Pour it in your mind now. <laughs> and it's just... <laughs> Rather taking you to another place where you go like, oh yeah, Mitt Romney, oh yeah, he kissed the ring. Oh, just just a moment where, yeah, yeah. Y- you know, because I don't think we've processed all of the information in and around Trump. I feel like there was like a data that's dump true. of yeah. it's too everything. Much every day. And sometimes it's nice to go back where people people have actually said to me, they go, "When did he say that?" And I go, "Oh, before you voted. That's when." <laughs>
4: <laughs> you talk about waking up into a nightmare. I mean, you were born into. A nightmare of apartheid in South Africa. You you lived in South Africa. You lived in Australia, the UK. Does that help you find absurdity in the U.S. political system? And do people who are born and raised here ever get defensive and be like, feel like you're attacking their country?
3: It, it depends on on who and where. You know, one thing that I like about traveling is it gives you the perspective on a what ideas and rules are truly superficial. You know, so what is offensive in one place and what is offensive everywhere? Um, What is a norm and what is a cultural rule that people abide by everywhere? And what are ideas that politicians in certain places have just sprung on people that everyone have accepted as normal? That's the first thing I think that helps with comedy. The the second thing is people do say that sometimes they'll be like, "Oh no, you, you know, who are you to make a joke? You, You you're not from here. You're not." And then I go, "Look, man." essentially uh in a strange way i am from here you know in two ways one america's history and south africa's history are painfully similar mm-hmm. you know and then the flip side of that is america's been involved in the world for so long you know part of how i speak english is because of american tv shows You know Nelson Mandela. Part of the reason he went to jail was because the CIA was part of him being caught. Like we have been influenced by this world. America brought things to us and taught us how to be America. So it
2: is is weird how often you say "eat my shorts." (laughs) (laughs) My mom used to
3: think Bart Simpson was the devil. But yeah, that's but that's that's like a a place where I go. Like this is the. I feel like this is the end goal. This is this is what I was taught by America. I wouldn't have dreamed of making jokes about a president or making jokes about my elders. Or That's American TV. That's what America taught me right. to do, is poke fun at authority figures. And that's where I've ended up, is the, in the place where I was taught.
1: So you wrote an op-ed in the New York Times uh, shortly after the election called, Let's Not Be Divided. Divided people are easier to rule. How do you balance the desire to reach out with the comedic responsibility to go after Trump?
3: Well, I think the mistake a lot of people make is they go, uh, who are you trying to unite? So people go like, oh, you are you reaching out to Trump supporters? Are you I go, hey, man, I, I'm not an idiot. Or I am, but I try and learn from my stupidity. <laughs> and one thing I've learned is some people will never see your point of view, nor do they wish to see your point of view. Some people are only interested in your oppression or in their superiority, that's something that you, you can't fight against at some point. Yeah. When I talk about division, there's divisions even amongst people that claim to be on the same side. You know, There are people fighting over the, 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 the tiny details of language or uh, of, of the discourse that we have in and around race, but they have it at the same intensity that they would with a quote unquote enemy you know and so i go just be careful when when you're doing that think about what your intention is think about what the other person's intention is and then figure out your game plan from there sometimes i feel like we're in a space where everyone is so you know so uptight that anyone that makes a mistake around them is automatically the enemy and i go if that happens you're going to end up in a world where there is no opposition to this trump there is nothing that can stand up to it because you're spending so much time fighting amongst yourselves.
2: Right. Yeah, it's really interesting that so much, maybe it's partly because of Twitter and social media or just kind of a culture of punditry, but so often it feels as though people's reaction to a clip, to a sentence, to a word is not, here's how I feel about it, but how could you say this when other people are going to react yes. in this way? Yes. Right, that we're all pundits and none of us are citizens, yes. right? And I just wonder, like, how do you break that
4: Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash PSA. Go today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot slash PSA.
3: The first thing you have to accept is that you can't. So I, I go, I can't change everybody, nor do I wish to change everybody. I also understand that the, the role of comedy a lot of the time is to break the rules. That's what right. makes comedy fun. You know, that's what comedy is about. Uh, I think it was Colin who said comedy uh, or the job of comedians is to find the line and then cross it. And so in that world, what I do and what I try to do on the show is just one joke at a time. Win a person over, make you think about something, uh, spark an emotion in some way. And I'm not always trying to spark the same emotion. Sometimes I want you to groan. Sometimes I want you to laugh out loud. Sometimes I I just want you to pause and think and then giggle. Um, each joke is like a is like a dish in a in a in a meal. You know they're not all meant to do the same thing. And so what I'm trying to do in those instances is work with the people who are with me and carry on that journey. And then along the way, garner new fans who are willing to be in a space of comedy uh, because they understand what we are essentially trying to do.
4: So you have a president who's the truth is under assault. Every day he's deriding them as fake news. He's attacking them. Meanwhile, you have this whole generation of young people that are looking to comedians like you, like John Oliver, Sam B for the truth, for their news. Does that change your approach? Does that change the responsibility you feel when you do the show? Or is it still, I'm trying to make people
3: laugh? I, well, I, I think the two are the same, you know, good comedy is true comedy in my opinion. Uh, that's what made South African comedy what it was when we first started out and what a lot of it still is today is that we were in a world where no one was allowed to say anything. There was no free speech. Mm. And then you have democracy and you have an explosion of free speech. And one of the things that explodes the most is comedy all of a sudden. And what connects with the people is the truth that's contained in jest. And I've always loved how a joke connects to people. Like You don't want to laugh. It's an involuntary action. You you see people going like, "Oh man, I shouldn't be laughing at this," or right. I, "I sorry, sorry, I didn't mean to." You know that outburst is is magic, and that magic is created by a sudden shot of truth. And so, for me, I think if you have a responsibility or if you take comedy seriously, then you take the truth seriously. And some comedians will do it with the benign. You know, whether it's Gaffigan or Seinfeld, the truths of bacon and milk. (laughs) And then other comedians, you know, legends like Pryor or Chappelle will tell you the truth about race and, and, uh, you know, conversations that are in America. But what makes it great is the fact that it's based in the truth.
4: This is Pod Save America. Stick around. There's more great show coming your way.
1: So there's a story in this month's Atlantic titled "How Late Night Comedy Fueled the Rise of Trump." Sneering hosts have alienated conservatives and made liberals smug. Oh, let's we get into it. <laughs> excited about it. A version we of hate this, this story uh, very New much. New York. So a couple. You know, Ross Douthat said this in the New York Times during the race. Like Jake Tapper asked Sam B about it this weekend. What's your reaction to this? It's a common conservative critique these I,
3: days. You know. You know what my thing is. First of all. I think we need to step away from the hot takes of one thing causing Trump. It's just, can we just pause that for a moment? Yeah, Yeah. Like, you know caused Trump? You know what? (laughs) You know what caused it? The one thing that caused Donald Obama at the White House Correspondents' Dinner. That was the moment that caused. Oh, Fox News. That was the thing that. Oh, the White guys. I know. We all did it. There are many (laughs) things that contributed to Donald Trump, Uh, with regards to the sneering comedy. Does that alienate some people? Yes. We're all different in our styles of comedy. I'm very different to Sam B, who's very different to John Oliver, who's very different to Stephen Colbert. Yes, we're all operating in the same space, Mm -hmm. but just like players in a sports team, we're all slightly different, you know? Uh, I mean, that was part of the thing with me when I started is people said, oh, he's not sneering enough. Right. He's not, you <laughs> not know, angry. angry enough Or he's not. And I was like, yeah, well, that's not what I'm trying to do. Um, and over time, I guess I've grown with an audience now that accepts how I do my comedy. But I, I don't know if that contributes directly. Yeah, there will there'll always be people who feel like they're being, you know, they're being, they feel condescended. But, I, but I, I would argue that politicians have more of that power than comedians do when a politician's out there on the stump they have the ability to connect that's what obama did really well right. you know it's the difference between saying uh, we're going to shut down coal and saying, we're going to make sure your jobs are intact. I feel like those are the things. I doubt that somebody's at the voting booth going, yeah, this will show you Trevor Noah. Ah, <laughs> yeah. Take that, take that. Total TBS. Vote. Yeah. <laughs> That'll show you. But I want, I want to dig into that for one
2: second because I, I do think that the idea that there are people voting against uh, Democrats just to make a point at HBO or Comedy Central is ridiculous. But sometimes I do wonder about what we're saying to ourselves, right? That we're kind of speaking a language to ourselves about what's absurd and what's not. And I guess my question would be sort of, what are the ways in which you find you're challenging the mostly liberal audience that's watching your show, right? That, we're, that you're not making a joke at, say, Trump's expense or conservative's expense, which I love, but saying, hey, you're part of the joke too. You deserve to be made fun of too.
3: Well, it, it always depends on what the story is and what's going on. I very quickly come to learn that false equivalency is not anything I wish to participate in. So I'm not gonna try and search for something right. when Just there's balance. a when there's a glaringly obvious, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not the guy where Godzilla's coming over the horizon and I'm like, yeah, but you also double parked. Let's talk about that for a second. <laughs> there has to be some context to what's going on. Yeah. There has to be a level, you know, and Donald Trump as the president, in my opinion and in my point of view, is the largest issue. Now you can go. I disagree with you, Trevor. And I say yes. I understand. This is my view. And I guess maybe this is my bubble that may be the same filter as many liberal people in America and uh, a lot of the UK and a lot of Europe and a lot of Australia and a lot of Africa and a lot of you know. Maybe I'm in that bubble then. But the uh, non crazy <laughs> part of humanity <laughs> bubble. I, the- I do. I do think it's a, yeah. It's a big group. But <laughs> what, what I what I try and do though is look for those moments i i i don't try and create them artificially yeah, yeah. because it'll it literally feel like that where it's like all right i've been i've been hitting on one thing and you know like let me give you an example if i'm doing if i'm in new york and i'm doing jokes about new york let's say just on stage in a comedy club i'm not going to stop my show and be like all right now let's make jokes about pennsylvania because i mean i've right. hmm? right. spent <laughs> a lot of time on new york right. it's yeah. time to no where i am and what's happening is what i respond to as a comedian and so when I travel, when I go somewhere else, my comedy changes because that what is happening to me is changing as well. And so uh, if I feel this, then this is what I respond to. Otherwise, it wouldn't be authentic.
4: Did you get Obama to loosen up and laugh when you interviewed him? He was always tough. He'd be like, that was good. Yes, like, he would.
3: Uh, he'd He'd always do the uh, – he'd smile and then he'd be like, uh, that, was, uh, that was funny. <laughs> right. like, that was funny. <laughs> Why, Why didn't you that laugh? Was nice. Thanks, funny. boss. Makes me feel good. <laughs> I was nice. Uh, I like that. I like that. It was good. Um, he – you know what he 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 <laughs> he relaxed like before and after the interview. Like that's like Obama's super funny. I mean you guys know better. Yeah, it, like he's really yeah. funny. But when it comes to the interview then President Obama is there and he you can see that he calculated and he knew that every word could and would be taken or used against him and so he had to precisely pick every single word he used. Yeah. And, and he does that
1: less than most too, but yeah, you still, yeah, you know, it's like, yeah.
3: But then Trump is just like, I don't know if that's a thing. Like Donald Trump is just like words. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Not like, a lot of self Maybe, there. maybe sometimes, you know, folks, we're the best, the greatest. You never yeah. know. Whatever. Pick which, he like adds all the words and he's like, you guys can make your own paragraph. Whatever. He literally says thing.
2: that. Take it however you want. Yeah. Whatever
3: I say, just take it however
2: yeah. you feel. These words have no consequences. Yeah. He just, he's like, you know, just do it. We have separated words from meaning. <laughs> We are well. In that's outer space. Well, that's true. <laughs> who
3: was it? It was. Uh, I think it was McCain today. Was it McCain who said that? He said, "Don't listen to what Trump says; just watch what he does." Right. And I, I was like, Jesus in heaven. That yeah. is. That
1: Was the part of the whole like, "Don't take him literally." We we tried that during the campaign, <laughs> but that yeah. is that is terrifying. But, not but then
3: Donald Trump is the same guy who says, "And I'm out there, folks." And what do they say? They say, "Oh, he's joking." I don't joke, folks. <laughs> <laughs> I don't joke. I say what I mean,
2: are we gonna, we're going to build a wall. For people <laughs> listening, Donald Trump is not here. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and the hand motions are perfect. <laughs> yeah, it. Trevor Noah, thank you so much. I know you're very busy. Oh, no, thank you
3: very much. Are we done? Uh, we're, we're done?
1: Yeah, we, 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 you got a show to do. Don't are we have like, like five more I think you're minutes, maybe?
3: Oh, oh, man, this is fun, man. You guys are amazing, man. Thank you very much. Well, thanks for having us. Thanks for thanks stopping for by. Thank you so much. Thanks for letting us come and, to and your now, show. Now I interview you guys. This is going to be perfect. fun. Thank you very much All for right. being on my show, and thank you uh, for having me on yours. Thanks. Thank you, guys that's our show for today.
1: Thank you, Trevor Noah, for joining Pod Save America. Yeah. I thought that was a wonderful interview. It was interesting. Yeah, I'd like to have him back. Maybe he'll do the podcast someday.
2: Yeah, I wish we had more time.
1: But yeah, we were a little hurried. We had to go do the show. We had to go promote ourselves. Anyway, thank you for listening to this special bonus episode of Pod Save America. Do you
2: think people realize that we're padding it right now to make it feel a little bit longer? I don't know. Do you think they'd I, like do this? Do you think actually? they're still listening? What do, do you think they, they'll turn it off? Do you think they like this extra? You know what we should do is we should have a word at the very end that we say and we say to. This is a great idea, actually. Today's word is pistachio and what does that mean if you made it this far in the podcast please tweet john favreau the word pistachio
1: oh thank you for my mentions (laughs) john favreau pistachio at john
2: Favs pistachio
1: a better way to cook (laughs)